0: Happy Sunday, Sunday in the parking lot. It's so good to be here. Last time we did this, it was, a, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, my iPad, which I preached from, went, it overheated. So um, I was born at night, but it was not last night, so I got an analog copy here. So pray that this, this holds up. Um, also, this is to be a shorter sermon so we can get you out of the heat, get you f- uh, fed, and get you fellowshipping. Um, and so my anticipation is about about an hour and a half, about twenty minutes. Uh, we are continuing. Yes, we are continuing our sermon series, the one another's, the new community of Christ, the one another's of Scripture. Fifty-nine one another's. This is our uh, sixth sermon in this series, and today I'm going to teach a short sermon on praying with and for one another. And I can only find one place in all of the New Testament that it explicitly said to pray for one another. It's in James uh, chapter uh, what? It's in James. Um, It says, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. But we don't get a pass because it's in one place. It It is on every chapter of the Bible. It's, it's, it's implied and it's described that we're to pray with and for one another. It's one of the greatest privileges of being part of this new community is that we get to lift one another. We get to bring one another before the throne of grace where we find uh, mercy and grace. So we're going to look today at the most famous prayer in Scripture. How many of you have prayed or have heard the Lord's Prayer prayed over the years? Every one of you. It's, it's, uh, it's the... Um, been prayed over the generations, is prayed um, in every tongue, tribe, and nation. And so we're going to look at this prayer. And in this prayer, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray according to a particular pattern. Um, This isn't specifically a prayer given to us to just pray back, um, rote or repetitions without thinking. It's a pattern that informs our prayers and also informs our lives. And so this, um, this pattern of prayer was given to Jesus' disciples at the very beginning of his public ministry in uh, Matthew chapter 6. And it said that, and just prior to this, it said that Jesus came into Galilee healing every, diseases of every kind and proclaiming the gospel of God. And then Jesus um, went to the Mount, the Mount of Olives, and, with his disciples And he prayed what is recorded the longest prayer of Jesus in all of Scripture. The prayer prayer that we know as the, uh, or not the prayer, but the sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And we find it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And at the center of this Sermon on the Mount is this Lord's Prayer, this pattern of how to pray. And we see it in chapter 6, as Chase just read. I grew up, as many of you know, in a Roman Catholic household. And many parts of my upbringing and even that church i 'm um, thankful for, um, but there was just a lot of untruth, a lot of things that um, that really caused me to have a maybe an unhealthy fear of God and not to understand the intimacy and love um, that God has for me and uh, when I was growing up, I witnessed people praying all the time, and one of the most common prayers that I witnessed was something called the rosary. I witnessed people praying the rosary, reciting words with a quickness of repetition that blew my mind. And one month out of the year, even to this day, um, Catholics are asked to pray, they're encouraged to pray the rosary every day for a month. And that's no small task because praying the rosary um, is 53 Hail Marys, six Our Fathers, which is the Lord's Prayer, and six glory bees. And then on top of that, um, we had to go to confession on a regular basis. And I would confess my sins that I'm not even sure that I knew what my sins were fully. I would confess things like I didn't make my bed. Um, I disobeyed my mom and dad, which that, those are definitely sins. But I confessed my sins to a man who could do nothing about my sins, and he would prescribe certain prayers for me to pray. He'd say, go pray seven Hail Marys, go pray, um, you know, seven Our Fathers, go pray two Glory Be." So I would go pray prayers that I didn't even understand to a God who I didn't truly know. But after becoming a Christian, I started to understand the the purpose and the point of prayer, yet I, I didn't fully understand it. I thought prayer was asking, was more about what I can ask from God. And maybe some of you are here today thinking that that prayer, the primary purpose of prayer is intercession or beseeching um, the God most high for something that we want or need. And then as I grew, I I grew into, I had a in-priority complex, not an inferiority, but an in-priority that I felt like I wasn't good enough to pray, that my prayers weren't uh, uh, um, big enough or great enough or eloquent enough. They just didn't seem to be as powerful or eloquent as some of the professional prayers that I know. How about you? How is your prayer life? What is your understanding of the purpose of prayer? Some of you may consider yourself to be prayer warriors, and others of you are walking in shame to this day. Uh, Not shame from God, but shame a false guilt that you're not a good enough prayer and that you need to pray more. The people I know who I might consider to be prayer warriors, here's what they have in common. They're sensitive to the Spirit of God. And they are also um, engaged in the body of Christ and they make it their business, actually, to be aware of the needs, the fears, and the desires of other people and to pray for them. Scripture teaches us to pray with and for one another. So today we're going to see the purpose of prayer and the pattern of prayer. And I might start sounding like an auctioneer because I really want to get out of here by about 22 minutes. And I also want to tell you that um, we're so glad your kids are here. We're so glad to do this as a family. And families are imperfect. Your kiddos are beautiful and they're imperfect and they need Jesus. And we're glad that they're here to be able to Sit under the teaching of God's Word. First, we're going to start by answering the question What is prayer? Prayer, in its simplest form, is speaking to God. It's a means of pursuing a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. God speaks to us through His Word, and we speak to Him through prayer. God's beloved children can come to Him in confidence thanking and praising Him and crying out to Him in the midst of our trials and petitioning Him for our needs and the needs of others. He created us for prayer. Because prayer is the purest manifestation of our relationship with the triune God. Many of us have been taught to measure our prayers by how much they accomplish rather than to deepen our relationship with God. You see, prayer is not a magic formula, and it's, and its aim is not necessarily to get something from God. The goal of prayer should be to give ourselves away and to receive the gift of communion with the triune God. Prayer in practice is simply, I'll say it again, talking to God. And one way to kill your prayer life is to overthink it, is to try to compare yourself to somebody else's eloquent prayers. The best friendships that you and I have are with people that we feel like we can be ourselves with, right? We feel more easily at home with friends that we don't feel self-conscious around, and we know that they won't judge us wrongly. The most vibrant prayer life is found in the one who is most willing to bring his whole self to God, his or her whole self to God, and willing to be himself before God, for better or for worse. Prayer is a pursuit of a deeper relationship with the Father. So today we're going to see first and foremost how not to pray, and then we're going to take a high-level view at the pattern of how to pray. Verse 7, Jesus says, and when you pray, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, and when you pray, not when you pray or if you pray or when you get time to pray or when you learn how to pray, Jesus says, when you pray. You see, prayer is something to be practiced by all Christians. It's our, it's our very lifeblood. It's our communion with the Father. It's both a divine expectation and it's a privilege. It's a divine summons to the throne room. But more importantly, it's a royal invitation to sit at the feet of your Father and the King of Kings. Jesus goes on to say, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. You see, the Gentiles in that generation um, Just like Gentiles today that aren't saved, they worship false gods and they would heap up empty phrases or, as the NIV says, vain repetitions, thinking that a multitude of repeated words would somehow accomplish something for their gods. They would repeat the names of their gods or the same words over and over and over again without engaging their brain or engaging their heart. Jesus said, don't pray like them. For Jesus, mindless repetition, for Jesus prohibits mindless repetition. However, it's important to note that Jesus is not condemning long prayers, and he's also not condemning all repetition. For Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane repeated himself to the Father three times. Father, if it be your will, remove this cup from me. Father, if it be your will, remove this cup from me. It was a heartfelt prayer in the context of a relationship, praying to a father that Jesus knew, heard him, and cared for him. The secret to a thriving relationship with our good father is communication. Not simply saying over and over again, "Jesus Christ, my Savior, Lord." Jesus Christ, my Savior, Lord. Jesus Christ, my Savior, Lord. Um, in our human relationships, we don't talk that way. Like, honey, what do we have for dinner? Honey, what do we have for dinner? Honey, what do we have for dinner? I thought you knew. I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. We have a communication. We have a conversation. I do like Brussels sprouts, by the way. There's nothing my wife has cooked me that I don't like. So come to him, talk to him, express your fears and your temptations and your deepest longings and desires, confess your sins to our Heavenly Father and feel his loving gaze and his welcoming arms. So prayer is not a meaningless repetition of words but true communion with our Heavenly Father. Then in verse 8, he says, do not be like them. Who? The babbling Gentiles. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. The father is neither ignorant of your needs or hesitant to meet your needs. He knows your needs and he is eager to meet your needs. So it's not necessary to instruct him or try to persuade him by a bunch of fast words and pray louder and more passionately. He's our father, a father who loves his children and knows our needs. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask Him. So the question is what? Why ask Him? Why come to Him? Because it's about relationship. When when our children were young, I knew them so well that I knew what they needed before they asked me. But I still longed for them to come to me, anyways. I that they would come to me and express their fears and their desires and to verbalize their thoughts and their feelings. Their vulnerability as small children dependent upon a father deepened our relationship. Likewise, if we are to nurture a deeper relationship with our Creator, we must certainly communicate with Him. And prayer is our primary way of doing that, beloved. When we come to him in humble dependence, he will always hear the prayers of his children and he will will either give us what we ask or he will give us what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knew. He will either give you what you asked or he will give you what you need. Prayer demonstrates, like nothing else we do, our dependence upon the Lord and our desire for a deepening relationship. So let's look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to take a very high-level view at it, verses 9 through 13. This is a pattern of prayer where Jesus instructs his disciples on how to pray. This is a pattern for prayer that not only informs our prayers, but it informs the way we live. So it's way beyond our praying should always inform the way that we live. J.I. Packer said the Lord's Prayer is a key to the whole business of living. He added, what it means to be a Christian is nowhere clearer than here. The Lord's Prayer is not just meant to be prayed, it's meant to be lived. As we pray with this pattern, honestly, we'll be moved to embrace childlike dependence, wholehearted worship, love for one another, and participation in God's mission. So as we pray this pattern honestly, we'll be moved to embrace childlike dependence, wholehearted worship, love for one another, and participation in God's mission. And one of the most overlooked and beautiful parts of this prayer is that no singular pronouns are used. There's no I in this prayer, and there's no me in this prayer. Instead, Jesus invites us to pray with corporate pronouns. Us, we, and our The Lord's Prayer reorients our individual, individual, let me say it, our individual ideals. We're individualistic Christians. We live in a very individualistic country, and it reframes our individualistic ideals and moves us to appreciate how interconnected we actually are within the body of Christ. To pray the Lord's Prayer honestly is to be moved to love one another quickly and comprehensively. So let's do a quick flyover over this amazing pattern of prayer. In verse nine through ten, we're going to see God's concerns are given first priority. God's concerns first priority. His name, His kingdom, and His will. Next, after that, we're gonna our needs will follow. Our needs are important, but they they follow um, His name and His kingdom and His will. So we're going to see it eleven through thirteen um, praying for our provision, our pardon, and our protection. And the first priority of prayer in. All of life is God, his name, his kingdom, and his will. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What should stand out right when we pray that is, is our Father. Re- we remember that, that the God who created the universe is our Father. He is a Father who provides. He's a Father who sustains. He's a Father who protects. The prayer reminds us that we're able to run to our Father and let our needs be known. And praying, we pray, our Father, not my Father, even though He is my Father, He's our Father. It reminds us that we are not only children, that we have brothers and sisters in this new community. And praying to our Father reminds us that by faith in the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin, we have been adopted and we are loved no less than Jesus is loved who is the Father's beloved Son. Understanding the Father's love for us is to spark and fuel His prayer. Excuse me, to spark and fuel our prayer. Our loving Father gives us more than we both deserve and desire. Next is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed or hallow is not a word that we use much in our English language today. But this first request Is not that our personal needs be met, but that the Father's name be hallowed. And to hallow simply means to make holy, to consider holy. God's already holy. We don't make him more holy, but we make much of his holiness. We make much of his character. One commentator said this, praying this, hallowed be your name, is asking that God act in such a way that he visibly demonstrates his holiness and his glory. It's asking God to move and act in the world so that people, all people, see his glory, esteem his holiness, and treasure his character above all else. By praying, hallowed be your name, we are first requesting that the church be sanctified and purified. Because when we're not sanctified and purified, when we're not living out to one another's, when we're walking in sin... The church is the greatest manifestation of God's character. We live it out by his spirit. So when we exercise the one anothers by the power of the spirit, God's name will be hallowed and we will experience increasing joy. Secondly, reason to hallow his name is that this is a clear reminder to us that when a sinner comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and is transferred from darkness to light, God's holy name is hallowed in the church and the watching world. And the more people who come to know Christ, the more people exist who revere God's character and hallow His name. Our heavenly Father provides, He protects, and He sustains His children. So our greatest joy should be to hallow His name or to make His name famous by loving one another and witnessing to the world around us. And P.S., our greatest witness is our love for one another. The next priorities in this pattern of prayer are the Father's kingdom and His will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're reminded that God is not only our Father, but he's also a king. So when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, we acknowledge that our Father is a sovereign king of the universe who has complete and total authority over everything. And to pray that his kingdom come on earth is, as it is in heaven is to pray both that it may grow through the church's witness and that it would be consummated when Jesus returns to set up to consummate his 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 perfect church, his eternal power and reign. This reminds us to live on mission, to pray for those who are without hope and long for the day when Jesus will return to make all things new. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a cry for Christians to submit to the perfect will of the Father, not our will. I don't know about you, but it is much easier to have the world revolve around me and to step into my will rather than considering what the Lord's will is. There is constant pressure from the culture and temptation from the enemy to conform to our own will rather than the Lord's will. Here's what Paul says about the Lord's will. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect, for it is the will of our Father. And our Father loves us and protects us and sustains us. So his will is better for us than our own will is, what we think is best for us. We have a good father who only has, who only means good for his children. So we pray in our community that we would do the will of the Father. For the Christian, for this community, our top priority is not our name, not our individual names, not the name of this church. Our priority is is the name of the triune God, the name Jesus Christ. In our kingdom, it's not about our kingdom and our will, but God's kingdom and God's will and God's name. Pray that his kingdom rule would grow in our hearts and we would willingly and joyfully submit to his perfect will and not ours. And in the second half of this prayer, the possessive adjective changes from you, from your, your kingdom your will your name to our and we transition from god's glory to our needs in expressing our needs we need to declare our dependence upon our good and loving father who already knows our needs cares for our welfare and wants to bring our requests wants us to bring our requests to him these needs are really the only needs that we have provision pardon and protection he says in verse 11 give us this day our daily bread To pray, give us this day our daily bread reminds us that we are utterly dependent upon our Father for all of our daily needs. I think we tend to forget this, especially in America, when most people, particularly in this county, have everything we need. This is a prayer for immediate physical needs, not distant needs. It reminds us to not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. And again, this is not only a personal prayer, but a prayer for one another. Give us this day. Praying this brings to mind the physical needs of those in our body and others around the world that are part of the Big C Church. Praying this prayer reminds us of persecuted Christians all around the world. It reminds us of the crisis in Ethiopia. It reminds us of the refugees from Ukraine that don't have their daily needs met. So it is right and good for us, wherever our needs or circumstances may be, to remember that we are utterly dependent, moment by moment, breath by breath, on our Father. And we can turn to Him, and we can ask Him for the things that we need, and for, our, and for the daily needs for one another. We pray for our daily needs so that we might accomplish what He desires for us to accomplish. Our next need and our greatest need is the pardon, or forgiveness. And living in the reality, Christian, of our daily forgiveness is as important to the soul and health as daily food is for our body. And forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. What this doesn't mean is that God stops forgiving us if we don't forgive others. What it's reminding us of is that we are forgiven. We've been forgiven much, therefore we should forgive, forgive little. You see, our debts and our sins are against Our heavenly Father, sin is like a debt because when we can't pay what we owe, we're punished. But praise be to God, Colossians 2.14 tells us that on the cross, Jesus was punished and the debt that stood before those who believe was canceled. There's no longer any debt that stands against you in between you and a relationship with God, believer. When we come to grips with the twin truths that we we are more sinful than we could ever imagine, yet at the same time more loved and accepted than we could ever hope, we will hollow the name of the Father and be compelled to submit to His good and perfect will. And the more we understand the immense mercy and forgiveness of the Father, the quicker we will be to forgive one another of smaller offenses. You see, any sin committed against us pales in comparison to your sin against the holy God and my sin against the holy God. Praise Him for canceling the record of debt that stood against us and forgiven us of every past, present, and future sin. And we cry out to Him to help us. Forgiving others is a process. We need the help of the Spirit of God. We need to have our minds oriented on the great forgiveness that God has forgiven us, that He's canceled our debt. And by his power and for his glory and for our joy, we will forgive other people. We will choose to forgive other people when we understand the enormity, the vastness of our sin against the holy God. So finally, until God's kingdom is fully consummated, we need to understand that we are engaged in what? A spiritual battle. And we need protection. And so we ask our King to protect us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't pray that God will not tempt us. That's not the prayer here. Because God gives us the assurance in Scripture that He will not tempt us. He tests us, but He will not tempt us. And furthermore, even though He doesn't tempt, we're told by James that temptation is good for you. Temptation is good for me. James says in chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy my brothers when you meet temptations of various kinds. So we don't pray, God keep us from temptation. But we pray let us be uh, keep us from being overcome by temptation. We pray along with Paul in 1 Corinthians 10:13. He says, we pray, God, you promised that we wouldn't be tempted beyond what we are able to withstand. And you said that you will always give us a way of escape from temptation. So God, I'm trusting your spirit to not let me be overcome by temptation. And God, would you show me the way out from this temptation? Would you strengthen me to say no from the lies and the schemes of the enemy? This last part of this prayer is not a prayer, hear me on this, to be delivered from the world. We're to be in the world. We're to be in the evil of the world. But we're not to be of the world. We're people of the kingdom. We're people of the light. But we're to be in the darkness because we can't shine the light without being in the darkness. We're praying for deliverance from the lies and the schemes of the evil one. God, would you help me recognize the lies and the schemes of the evil one? Paul writes to Christians in his letter uh, to the Ephesian church that our battle, the Christian battle, is not with flesh and blood. It's not with whoever you think is evil out there. But it's with the evil one and his demons. So we pray, Lord, help us to be in the world but not overcome by the world. And we pray that when we strive to live out your goodwill together that we would not be tripped up by the lies and schemes of the enemy. So we pray for one another. Help us overcome the temptation of the evil one. Strengthen us to walk in holiness for your glory and our joy all of our days. And I'm gonna finish with this. As long as we have breath in us, Let us live to make the king's name famous, to hallow his name, both as a church and as individual Christians, longing for his kingdom to come. Let us long for the return of Jesus. But know this, that until Jesus returns, every one of your sins, and after he returns, every one of your sins is forgiven. He will provide your daily bread, and he will protect us from the evil one. Amen. Shall we pray, kids? Jake, Pence, come on up. God, we're we're grateful for this uh, pattern of prayer that reminds us that you are our Father, that you are a sovereign king that holds everything in your hands, and that, that your will is a good and perfect will. And God, I thank you that you have pardoned us as a result of the faith that you've given us in the shed blood of Jesus. And God, I pray for those here today that um, are crying out to a God that they don't know. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray, God, that you would meet their deepest need, and that's a need for pardon. God, I pray even for the children that are here today that still have a, a growing record of, of debt that stands against them. God, I pray that you would give them faith to believe upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you tore the veil that separated us from the Father. And I praise you that we can boldly and confidently come before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in every time of need. We love you and we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, and God's people said, amen.
1: All right, thank you, Pastor Dan. That's uh, edifying, and, and we're gonna move into a, a time where we're gonna encourage you guys to get into small groups, and we're really gonna just put into action what we see in Matthew six with the Lord's Prayer, and to, to gather together and pray according to this. So I know this might be a little awkward, Um, I know praying in groups sometimes is not uh, something we're used to, but as we're commanded in Scripture to pray with one another, to pray for one another, I think this will be a really edifying time. So we have cards that we handed out here. If you see, it's the opposite side of the QR code, and on the back of it is the pattern of prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then it colors in a little bit of, of praying towards those ends. And what we want to do to finish out today is, is to get into small groups, maybe in the groups that is just next to you around your tents, maybe two, three, four families uh, gather together and pray through the Lord's Prayer with, with practical prayers too, um, with prayers that are, that are from Scripture. So what I'd like to do is have you guys just take a couple minutes here gather together in small groups, so I'll, I'll give you a couple of minutes, two minutes here, gather together in small groups, pull out that prayer card as well, and, and then I'll come and I'll just kind of model uh, a prayer, what that looks like. So go ahead and take a couple minutes and gather around, introduce yourself if you don't know someone, and, and do that. Okay, now as you're gathered together, I'll, I'll model this, but same thing, you can go through the first stanza. And then a couple people pray through that first stanza, how the Lord leads you. And then after a minute or so, go to the next one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And pray accordingly to that. Um, And then we'll we'll take about, uh, I don't know, nine or 10 minutes in prayer together and then Chase will come up and close us off. So I'm gonna just model a prayer. Um, Nothing special, as Dan said, is from the heart. This is something where we're not repeating some mantra to gain favor with the Lord. but We're really calling upon God and, and uh, just trying to deepen our relationship as we would with any, anybody. So let's, let's pray corporately and then we'll jump in and pray small groups. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, you are king. You are sovereign, not only of just this world but of the universe, and Lord, you call us your Father. You love us as a Father, and we just pray that you make your name known in all the world, and Lord, that every knee will bow to you, glorifying your name in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that you make this world as you want it with your will reigning in our hearts and our minds, and to help people know you through your goodness and kindness, to to grow in that, Lord, and to tell of your goodness and your power on earth here as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that you give us this day our daily bread. Lord, use our bodies for your glory. We don't need extravagance, Lord. We don't need abundance in material goods. Lord, we need you. We pray that you sustain us daily. That you grant health for our bodies so that we can operate in this world for your kingdom. And Lord, forgive us our debts as we have also as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, we don't deserve it, but you are merciful on us. Lord, we we cling to your promises and the gift of salvation, Lord. The gospel is what saves us. You've redeemed us. You have lived a perfect life, a sacrificial death, and have risen from death, defeated death, and reign in glory. And we can join you in that because you have mercy on us. So, Lord, as you have forgiven us, help us to forgive others. Empower us to forgive others through the gospel. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Lord, Lord. Guard us. There's so many things that entangle us in sin, so many temptations in this world. We pray that you can deliver us from that, that you can guard us, that you can uh, give us strength to walk through the trials of this world in holiness for you and for you alone. And Lord, we pray all these things in your precious name because of what you have done on the cross. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I encourage you guys. Just as a model there, just to walk through, take turns, and Chase will come up to close us off in about 10 minutes.